all good. Sir, you need to mute. He will start the session. There is a session going on and we cannot record there because it will go. So I have to keep those uh, phones here actually. Okay, keep it here. Okay. No right. Can I go? Uh, yeah, if it, is, if it is secured, or you, I can just. Uh, okay. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on this special session. I hope uh, you can hear me all. If you can, please. Um, Abdi Fatah, you can confirm for me if you can hear me. Yes, yes, Molit, I can, I can hear you very well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Molit Hujale. I am pleased to host the... One second, I will have to announce we have one last participant who will be joining us, so I will bring her in. But in the meantime, we can begin the session. Thank you again. Thanks so much, everyone, uh, for joining me on this special session today. My name is Maulid Hujale. I am pleased to host the special representative of the Secretary General for Somalia and head of the United Nations Assistance Mission in Somalia, Mr. James Swan. Before we begin, I would like to set the stage and share with, uh, with the audience and the participants where some few rules. For the participants, please mute your mic um, when you are not talking and do not speak until it's your time and I give you the floor to speak. 
I will introduce each participant before uh, they speak. So kindly proceed to ask your question. If you have to leave the room after your question is done, please do so quietly. For the rest of the audience, I hope you understand I cannot let everyone in the room to speak. So we decided to select some people from different parts of Somalia, including Mogadishu, Kismayo and Beidou, who will be asking uh, questions. I will also be asking uh, some questions. Uh, these are questions people have shared with me since I've announced the uh, program uh, online. However, I will strongly urge you, the audience, to please stay with us after the special envoy, Mr. James Swan, uh, finishes answering his questions. We will continue the discussion openly and you will have the opportunity to share your views. But I will have to emphasize after the SRSG leaves the room and we, uh, he answers uh, the questions from the participants, it will be um, uh, between us, the Somali youth dis discussing uh, generally. So it will not be the uh, UNSOM uh, um, uh, program or UNSOM is not responsible um, after the SRSG leaves the room. So we will take it from there on our own. Thank you very much. I would like to say that in Somali for the audience who are not understanding in Somali so that they can uh, stay with us. And I do, Ilahi Rada, Wakum Hassantin, Kakab Galkat, Kasakab Kashan, Bramish Kan Garka, on Kore Sanayo in Ergia Garka, Karamedimu Kabilsan, Somalia, Mr. James Swan, Marku Kabaho, Usualaha with you, Inagas Kusohari Dona, or on Kawada Sheikh Sandona, Arimaha, Ukahale, Arimaha, Nagadahden, Yala, Somalia Han, I do, Ilahi Rada, Marka, Kolka Kujira, Marki Sualaha, Marakte, Udalirada, Ukajuabo. Um, the, so I'll, I'll just uh, go ahead and begin. So before we take questions, I would like to uh, welcome the SRSG. Uh, he is the head of the United Nations Assistant Mission in Somalia, uh, which was established on June uh, 2013 by the UN Security Council to Council to provide policy advice to the federal government of Somalia and the African Union mission in Somalia on peace building and state building in the areas of governance, security sector reform, rule of law, and the development of a federal system. Of course, the mandate and what the UN uh, does for Somalia is more than this. If you would like to know more, please uh, go ahead and visit the uh, mission's uh, website, which is unsom.unmissions.org uh, so that you can learn more about what the UN does. But before um, we take questions, I would uh, welcome uh, the SRSG, Mr. James Swan, to uh, briefly um, um, in, tell us more about the UNSOM uh, and then we will take questions. Thank you very much. Welcome, Mr. James Swan. Thank you very much, uh, Maurit. Uh, greetings to everyone. And uh, thank you for introducing me to this new platform. This is the first time I've used Clubhouse. So if I disappear in a burst of static, it's uh, unintentional. Uh, thank you for including me and uh, giving me an opportunity also to hear from the other guests in this room. I look forward to questions and comments and to continuing the exchange. I have the opportunity to participate uh, 
fairly often in NGO fora or think tank fora, and I always learn from it. It's always helpful to me in understanding other perspectives and ideas about what would be helpful in Somalia. It's a country that's made a lot of progress, but that uh, has much work still to do. So we hope to contribute to that. Let me say just a word about some of our current priorities. Uh, I should first note that while as SRSG also had UNSOM, there are other uh, UN actors here in Somalia, including the UN Support Office for Somalia, which primarily provides logistical support to AMISOM, but also supports the Somali National Army and Somali police. In addition to that, we have more than 25 UN agencies, funds, and programs, UNICEF, WFP, the UN Development Program, the Food and Agriculture Organization, UN High Commissioner for Refugees, and many, many others that are providing programmatic support here in Somalia, from humanitarian assistance to support for local governance programs to assistance in uh, advancing the conditions of uh, women, uh, supporting education, and the like. So it really is a multifaceted presence here. I want to say just a word on some current priorities. Of course, uh, as a special political mission, uh, UNSOM has been very heavily focused on the political impasse that has blocked progress between the federal government and federal member states for some two years, uh, from mid-2018 until mid-2020, and has only recently uh, seemed to be overcome. We see that ensuring there is a consensus-based agreement on the way forward politically in Somalia is crucial because only once that political impasse has been overcome is it going to be possible to turn to other key national priorities. So what are some of those other priorities we're also focused on beyond the political? One, of course, is security. This is an important year for Somalia in terms of the security arrangements. The government has developed a transition plan And the intent is that this transition plan will help create conditions that allow for a reconfiguration of AMISOM as part of broader improvements to the Somali security sector. But security obviously remains a critical priority in addition to the political efforts. Beyond that, the development agenda, of course, is crucial for the country. There are still so many needs, health, education, support for women and youth, and getting back to that development agenda is central to all of our objectives. The government adopted a national development plan, National Development Plan 9, last year, and we're eager to support its implementation. Obviously, some of that has lagged because of COVID. And a final priority after the politics, security, and the development agenda is, of course, the humanitarian situation and responding to the still very dire needs of so many Somali women, children, men uh, who continue to need assistance. 
Uh, and that continues to be an important priority for all of us, even though everyone realizes that merely responding to recurring humanitarian crises is not a long-term solution for the country. So we really see politics at the core of making progress in all these other areas. That's why we've put a lot of em emphasis on that. That's why we're encouraged by recent developments, particularly the 27 May agreement, but recognize that a lot of work needs to be done uh, to uh, implement that and to move forward. So again, thanks for including me tonight. I look forward to the discussion and to hearing and learning from all of you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, I, I will kick off then with the first question, which I think um, uh, somehow encapsulates what um, you've just uh, mentioned, uh, but we will have uh, more questions from the participants. So uh, my question is, what would you say to the people uh, who believe the reason federalism is not working in Somalia, it's because it's not a local solution, but rather, quote unquote, a UN project that is being imposed on the Somali people? Thank you. The decision to move to a federal system is a decision that has been taken by Somali leaders uh, dating back to the Mbagati process that reached the conclusion that there should be a federal system in Somalia and that indeed embarked on the transitional federal government. Uh, this federal model was subsequently codified by Somali leaders, by Somali thinkers, by Somali lawyers and political figures in the provisional federal constitution that was adopted in 2012 and was, of course, passed by uh, the uh, constituent assembly that was uh, brought together at that time. So the federal model is very much a Somali-rooted model. Uh, the UN and other partners are here to help with its implementation, but the constitution, the model, uh, very much came from Somali brains, from Somali minds, and I believe out of a sense of Somali interests. Those of you on the call obviously have a deeper historical background on this than I do, but I think it's fair to say that the decision that a federal model could be appropriate perhaps stemmed from uh, the sentiment that some of the challenges that ultimately uh, confronted uh, the Siadbari uh, administration uh, was a problem of over-centralization and that after years of deep uh, but disorganized decentralization, roughly from 1991-92 until at a minimum the Arta conference, that uh, it was important to be realistic about the need for some decentralized decision-making that would give more power and authority to local communities and to communities in different parts of the country. But I stress again that uh, this is not a UN construct. Uh, and ultimately, if uh, Somali leaders, Somali decision-makers, uh, Somalis making their own choices through uh, the uh, political decisions that they make 
decide that a different model is appropriate, then we would support that different model. But this is Somali-driven and Somali-owned. Perhaps one last point would merely be to observe that uh, as someone, um, albeit uh, an outsider, not a Somali, but as someone who has visited and worked in and on the subject of Somalia dating back to the mid-1990s, I must say I am impressed by the progress that has been made in establishing uh, federal member states. Uh, Obviously, their capabilities, their resources, their effectiveness vary. Some are brand new, some have been in place for some 20 years. But in contrast to the situation 25 years ago or 10 years ago, I'm struck by the increasing presence and role of the federal member states. If uh, there is a decision in the future that Somalia wants to chart a different course, I can assure you that the UN and international partners will be supportive of Somali aims and objectives. Thank you very much. uh for the answer. I will uh, go over to Baidoa, um, where we have Jamila Haji. She's the founder of some Southwest Youth Vision, a youth organization that advocates and creates opportunities for young people in the region. She's also involved in a lot of other um, activities. Uh, she was, um, she worked uh, on the last year, last election as a facilitator, and uh, she joined us from Beidou today. Um, Jamila, welcome and ask your question. Thanks. Thank you, Maulid. And I'm also a member of a United Nations Youth Advisory Board of Somalia. And my question goes to the Chair, Mrs. Wan. What is the UN? doing to help Somali women achieve the 30% quota in the upcoming election. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Jamila, for that question. And I'm glad you mentioned the Youth Advisory Board, uh, which uh, the UN uh, here in Somalia organized some two years ago. I think it has uh, perhaps suffered a little bit during COVID, but it continues to represent an effort to ensure that youth voices are heard and that youth voices influence and help shape uh, UN programming in Somalia. And I hope it can be further reinvigorated uh, once we get through this COVID period. In terms of support for the women's uh, 30% quota, Again, I must stress at the outset that this is a Somali demand. This is what was included in the September 17 agreement. It's been reinforced by the uh, May 27th uh, agreement. These are commitments that Somali leaders have made. And I was struck at the conclusion of the May 27th uh, communique and its signing that virtually every leader, all of the federal member state leaders, the president, the prime minister, others uh, emphasized the importance of meeting the 30% women's quota. While this is a Somali-led initiative, the UN and other international partners have worked hard to keep it on the agenda. And so we have repeatedly stressed it in public statements 
It has been repeatedly emphasized in Security Council briefings, and indeed, Security Council members have underscored the importance of meeting this uh, quota, and we continue to reinforce it in our discussions. Uh, Just a few days ago, uh, I, along with uh, representatives from the African Union, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, and the European Union, went to uh, visit uh, President uh, Saeed Abdullahi Deni in Puntland, And as we discussed the electoral process, the importance of maintaining and assuring the women's quota was on the agenda. We also had a conversation today with President Abdi Aziz of your state, you said, Jamila, of Southwest State, uh, and um, again emphasized that it's not enough just to assert the commitment. There needs to be a a pragmatic way found uh, for this to be achieved and uh, also have discussed it with senior government officials, including the prime minister, uh, whom I met earlier today. So we are trying to help Somali advocates for the 30 percent women quota uh, to ensure that their voices are amplified uh, in these discussions. Um, In addition to that, we've maintained uh, close Uh, connections with a number of women's civil society organizations, and we are in active discussion with them and with the Ministry of Women and Human Rights Development about what other measures, perhaps uh, replicating the 2016-2017 model of the Women Goodwill Ambassadors, who can help advocate for the inclusion of the 30% as a, as a pragmatic solution. So we remain uh, active on this in support of this Somali objective. Thank you very much. Um, I will now head over to Mogadishu, uh, where we have Abdi Fatah Ali. Uh, Abdi Fatah Hassan Ali is a blogger, a human rights defender, and the co-founder of Digital Shelter, a local organization that promotes digital safety in Somalia. Adifetah, the floor is yours. Uh, thank you very much, Monit, for organizing this session. Uh, and I really highly encourage uh, continuation of such platforms. I also thank the SRSG, Mr. Genesis One, for actually finding the time out of his busy schedule. I know it's very busy for him. Uh, my question is, uh, Mr. Swan, we have seen during uh, the recent political tensions, uh, Somali, po- Somali politicians and leaders spreading hate speech and, and calling on armed conflict. Is the UN monitoring their actions to hold them accountable? Thank you. Yes, thank you very much uh, for that question, uh, Abdi Fatah. Um, Of course, we monitor very closely uh, developments uh, in the country, including uh, acts of uh, violence or including political developments, including statements that are made by uh, prominent uh, officials, but also by other political figures or community leaders uh, during the course of their uh, communication. So indeed, we are uh, monitoring uh, these uh, types of statements. Uh, In terms of uh, what we are primarily concerned about, it is issues of incitement to actions that are 
negative in their impact. So the concern is around incitement to violence or incitement to attacks or incitement to other types uh, of abuse. Uh, I would say that, well, of course, uh, in any kind of heated political moment, uh, some figures have perhaps gone beyond uh, typical norms uh, in their commentary. Overall, we have found that uh, the media in Somalia has uh, acted with a high degree of responsibility in terms of uh, its restraint in the face of uh, these situations and in giving voice to many uh, diverse viewpoints uh, as part of the public debate. I think that the risks of uh, individuals uh, actively, uh, verbally uh, attacking others or inciting uh, actions against others uh, can in part be addressed and diminished through active dialogue and active efforts at uh, consensus-based solutions. Because ultimately, If the parties are talking, if the different uh, actors are talking, if the different communities are talking, this is the opportunity for them to communicate more directly and more openly. And we hope that they can move toward a consensus-based solution. I think ultimately one of the key outcomes of the political developments starting in early April and uh, concluding, at least in this phase, with the 27 May agreement, was that that period made absolutely clear that there is no alternative to a consensus-based agreement on the way forward, and that any actor pursuing a unilateral course or any actor trying to deny the importance of hearing others and incorporating their views is going to uh, find uh, him or herself uh, unable uh, to marshal support. And so I think that that focus on communication, on dialogue, and on consensus building is perhaps our best way to help mitigate the risks of negative speech. Thank you very much. Um, I would like to um, follow up on that, on the human rights uh, issues. Has the UN investigated the alleged killings of uh, civilians by US drone strikes in Somalia? Thank you. Thanks, uh, Maulid. I think this question needs to be broadened somewhat. The, the UN investigates human rights uh, incidents or alleged human rights incidents and uh, civilian casualties uh, perpetrated by a, a wide range of actors. Uh, we, in fact, uh, submit a monthly report to uh, UN headquarters Uh, We have uh, a mechanism for tracking uh, civilian casualties, and uh, we indeed present uh, broader public reporting on this uh, on a regular basis. I think it's important to note that the data are very consistent 
on the primary perpetrators of civilian casualties, and that is, by a wide margin, al-Shabaab. There are also incidents almost every month perpetrated by uh, other Somali forces, including um, militia-type forces, but also, uh, regrettably, uh, by federal member state forces and even by national government forces. As part of that broader effort to investigate uh, any incidents, uh, we do indeed track uh, and seek to corroborate uh, reported civilian casualties, either uh, at the hands of Amazon or at the hands of any other uh, foreign forces. Uh, in the case of uh, U.S. Uh, strikes, as you are perhaps aware, uh, the U.S. Africa Command uh, does report on this on a regular basis. And of course, it's the subject of close scrutiny and considerable media attention uh, and criticism in some cases. Uh, but it is something that we track. It is reported uh, to the council. Uh, I can tell you that the data from uh, 2021 uh, indicates uh, a, a total of uh, seven uh, strikes that we uh, believe to have been from uh, the U.S. Uh, the last of those was on uh, January 19th, and we do not have any reports of uh, civilian casualties resulting from those strikes in 2021. Uh, but uh, they are indeed uh, investigated and reported. Uh, we have a, a diligent system that requires uh, at least uh, multiple uh, corroboration for, for each uh, incident. Uh, and uh, it continues to be a subject that we follow as part of our broader uh, pursuit of uh, human rights investigations. Um, thank you very much. Um, I was going to link uh, this question of the U.S. Uh, drone strikes on the Amisom uh, operations, the African uh, mission, uh, African Union forces in Somalia. Um, there also have been uh, reports of Amisom operations involved in civilian casualties. And as you would appreciate, and you just alluded to the U.S. Um, um, drone strikes, um, receives a lot of media uh, scrutiny, but not much um, on the Amisom. So you also um, mentioned um, Regrettably, um, sometimes Amazon forces also um, reported to have uh, involved in civilian casualties. Um, can you also um, touch on the Amazon uh, side of the, the question? Thank you. Uh, yes, certainly, uh, uh, Molid. And um, I would start with a bit of context. Uh, I mean, there are nearly 20,000 Amazon forces in Somalia, uh, primarily uh, military, but also including police. Uh, and particularly the military are, in essence, here in a, in a combat situation. So it is not surprising that uh, from time to time there are uh, mishaps or other incidents in which there are civilian casualties. I think that is a regrettable fact uh, in any sort of conflict. What I can tell you is that, first of all, we work very closely with Amazon uh, to ensure that uh, it is uh, respecting the, the human rights uh, due diligence policy, that it's taking all possible precautions and measures to ensure that those uh, civilian casualties are kept to an absolute minimum. Um, and indeed, uh, the, the numbers are really uh, 
modest, although of course each case is a, is, is a tragedy. But uh, they are indeed uh, investigated. There is also a system uh, by which uh, compensation is offered to families of those uh, who are determined to have been uh, casualties uh, in such a, a situation. Uh, and so indeed the system uh, is functional. Uh, again, it, it doesn't um, undermine the personal tragedy of, of those whose families are affected by uh, these incidents. But there is an active process to ensure that there are policies, procedures, and follow-up to keep it uh, to a minimum, and that when those cases occur, there is a, a set procedure uh, to ensure that uh, the families of those involved receive uh, compensation. Thank you very much. Um, I would like uh, now to go to Kismayo. Uh, we have Saadia Hussein Dalho, a young women's activist uh, based in the Jubaland region. Uh, Saadia, please go ahead and ask your question. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Saadia Hussein Dalho, a woman activist based in Kismayo, Chuplan, Somalia. And the question I wanted to ask Mr. Chemis Iswan is that what creative solutions does the UN have for the Somali youth since the old ways of doing things is not working these days? Thank you uh, for the question, uh, Sadia. Uh, if you'll forgive me, I mean, I would start by saying that th these solutions need to come from Somali youth uh, themselves. Uh, we can obviously uh, help uh, to amplify uh, your voices. Um, we can offer ideas, but fundamentally this is about Somali youth and what role they're going to play. I would also offer the reflection, again, as somebody, albeit an outsider, but who has been in and out of Somalia over many years, dating back to the early 1990s, that I actually see uh, young people playing in increasingly prominent roles in the country. I, I must say that when I was here uh, 25 years ago, even 10 years ago, uh, it was relatively rare uh, to see younger people in prominent roles. But now I'm struck by uh, many activists in civil society. I'm struck by many uh, engaged and obviously connecting uh, people in journalism and in the new media. Uh, I'm struck particularly at the federal member state level where we see a number of younger ministers, younger officials uh, who are clearly uh, working their way up uh, through the ranks and even uh, some clearly highly influential advisors at the top reaches of, of the national government. So my impression is that actually the, the voice of youth is uh, becoming of uh, greater uh, amplification. Obviously, more needs to be done. Uh, but I must say that I think that many young people are putting themselves in positions where in a few years they will be in a strong place uh, to vie for very prominent uh, national positions. Uh, really, this is what happens in most other countries in the world. Uh, 
uh, it's relatively rare that youth uh, leaders are catapulted directly into uh, national leadership. Usually there's a, a time of, of working at the community level or the federal member state level or civil society or in parliament and then moving up from there. Uh, we are uh, focused, however, on trying to look at ways that the youth agenda can be taken into consideration further uh, in the UN system. We have uh, two youth advisors uh, and we seek their input in uh, shaping our programming so that it can take into consideration uh, support for the youth. Uh, as Jamila mentioned earlier, uh, we have uh, for now several years had a youth advisory board with representatives of Somali youth drawn from all of the federal member states as well as Banadir uh, with the intent of ensuring that we hear from them and also that they can have input as we think through uh, United Nations programming going ahead. And we continue active outreach to a number of youth civil society organizations uh, to uh, communicate with them about their uh, aspirations and expectations. And even later this week, uh, we are uh, proud to be co-sponsoring uh, a youth political dialogue uh, along with uh, other uh, organizations, including the, the BUILD program, uh, which uh, is a donor-funded activity, uh, as well as, uh, let me make sure I get the name right here, the um, uh, Somali Public Agenda. Uh, and we hope that these types of activities will give, again, uh, further amplification to youth voices. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. James Swan. I would like now to conclude with one final question, uh, and I think which is really, really important. Uh, we cannot ignore the, the fact that we are in unprecedented times, uh, this COVID and the pandemic, which is uh, wrecking havoc throughout the world. And I would like to ask you to just briefly um, tell us what the UN uh, support and response uh, to COVID-19 in Somalia. Thank you. Uh, yes, thanks very much, uh, Maulid. Again, first of all, the COVID response here in Somalia is being led uh, first and foremost by the Somali government, by the Ministry of Health. There is a, a national task force that is also responsible for coordinating these, uh, these activities. That said, because of the uh, huge challenges posed by COVID from the very beginning, particularly in view of health facilities in Somalia that continue to need support. We have from the outset been active partners with the Somali government and particularly the Ministry of Health. This uh, has extended from the very earliest days when we assisted the Somali government in creating uh, quarantine facilities. We supported uh, bringing in uh, the testing units that uh, were first used uh, here in uh, Somalia. Obviously, other support for uh, health worker training, uh, hospital facilities, uh, and the like. And I must say that uh, I have tremendous respect for the Somali health workers who performed uh, so admirably throughout this period. I had the opportun opportunity to visit uh, Di Martino Hospital uh, on two occasions and uh, also the laboratory facilities. Uh, and really, it was uh, an impressive 
uh, effort, uh, despite the enormity of the problem that uh, confronted the country. More recently, uh, we have been working with the government on the vaccination program. Uh, Somalia uh, received in March 300,000 doses of the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine under the COVAX program. And we have been assisting uh, with uh, the distribution of that uh, vaccine. Um, uh, approximately 45% of that has now been uh, administered. And we are working closely with uh, the government authorities uh, to uh, speed that up uh, so that the remaining doses can uh, quickly be used. We are expecting additional COVAX uh, contributions to come in uh, this month. And Somalia has also benefited from donations uh, from China's uh, Sinopharm uh, project, as well as the Sputnik, a small amount from the Sputnik uh, from Russia. So uh, this is rolling out across the country. It's important that uh, people uh, get their vaccinations. Uh, and we are in active discussions. Uh, even today, when I met with the prime minister, one of the issues that we discussed at some length was the importance of uh, intensifying a campaign to ensure delivery of this vaccine. And that will be a, an important priority uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, so we'll continue to stand as partners. Uh, our, our primary partners uh, on the UN side have been UNICEF uh, and um, uh, WHO, the World Health Organization, but many others have contributed as well, such as the World Food Program with its logistical capabilities as well as others. So we look forward to continuing this partnership. Uh, Somalia needs it, uh, and of course the world continues to need it. Thank you so much. Um, just a reminder, everyone, this is uh, Maulid Hujale on Clubhouse. Today I've been hosting the special representatives of the Secretary General for Somalia and head of the United Nations Assistance Mission in Somalia, Mr. James Swan. Uh, this is not going to be the last time. Uh, I hope it will be the beginning of many more discussions online where we will engage uh, uh, Mr. James Swan. Uh, and I would like to Thank you, Mr. James, and um, really looking forward to having you on my show again, unless you have um, anything to um, add or um, party shot, I want to release you now. And then, as I said uh, earlier in my opening uh, remarks, we will continue the discussion uh, in Somali, uh, but, we, but it will not be um, any uh, related to Onsom. So thank you. I welcome you back to say uh, thanks to everyone. I'm Yes. Well, thank you very much, uh, Maulid. Um, I appreciated the opportunity. Uh, as I've said, I'm <laughs> experiencing this new platform for the first time, uh, and uh, I've, uh, I've enjoyed the exchange. I appreciate the opportunity to hear the questions and uh, the concerns of, uh, of your audience. Um, and maybe as my, my, my final word, uh, I'll, I'll repeat back something that you said at the beginning, uh, Maulid, which I think is really what we ultimately hope to achieve in the United Nations system, right? You said you'll, <laughs> you'll listen to me for a little while, but then at the end, I think you said uh, Somalis will take it from there on their own. That's what you're planning to do with the conversation tonight. And I think really that's what we hope will happen uh, in Somalia. Uh, we, we want to be supportive of Somali approaches and initiatives and ultimately, we hope Somalis will take it from there on their own. 
Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Bye. Mahat Sanidin, the Mantin, into Hotka Kujista, one in a Kagamad Elinea, one a Kahumai in Kofwalbo or Sual Kabe and Marathi Fuset Uhilin in Ushashi Siwidio, and one at the Remikertan, Mahan Marathe and Suragal, when Adaktai in Silano Kala in Halmar Kofwalbo, Hot Kujurinus Alwidio. Sida Dartet, Ayan Wahan, Squaf Garney in Amarte, Dorkofo, Gobla Kaladu and Joga and Prasatino, say Uidian, so Ali Aniga and Widinian, or Hekamidian, so Alo, Marte Dutka, a Isofaren, Sido Kalasu Ali, the Lera, a Widisan, a Wahmarte, or Kaima, the Dutka, a Hayen, and Waharajena, Inshallah, Inan Marlabat Asumo, and James Swan, C. Intahada Harti, Sualaha, and Marti, we do not Suashu, you Hiaba, and Somalian Tabane, and Mayara, Kofulbo Masula, Amadula Dakasado, Amayu and Takasado, Amasafira Hado, Wahan Marti Regina, and Amarti and Keno, Masraha, Umarkas that Kalashe Kesto, Suala, Kabana, and we do not. Marka Marlabad, Immersed Hadu and Kadu Daranaya Hadi at Gant so tacti, or Anko Kabiluene, in Adam Shaksihan, Ukadan. شخصي أهانة مجرته لكن وحي أهد مدام برامسك وقاد حيسة أولها دد بدنا أي كجرين دد بدنا أي سؤال ربين أي ديان إن أنا ما عرفت يرح حديدنه لكن تم وحي نصيرنا سافرس فرصت أه مدام وسيوان أحسن كل ماذا إن أنا مرلا بعد سوفريسينه إن وإن سؤال وين يا قفكي إن ما عرفت برامس كان فكرة كدر سنة يا قابك ودعي وحلا جبدلي كرئي سيدم and also, he got a color that can I see the color has so the way they are called. I do have a picture of my.